the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the tagger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rushed out of the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Monday the 12th, and you're tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths since 1995. Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths has delivered distinguished remodeling services to our home community of Martinsburg. From new construction to remodeling, Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths can design your new kitchen or bath. Their talented design designers can bring to life any concept you'd like to create. So shout out Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths. You can check them out uh, at MountaineerKitchensandBath.com and on Facebook or visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. And I hope this is the right audio because I think this would uh, kind of encapsulate how Luke is feeling after the weekend. Where was the pain, Jameis? Yeah, just pain. It was pain everywhere. So we got to keep on pushing, pushing through and being resilient. It was a tough weekend for Luke, but it was a great weekend for Marshall. And uh, that means we got to start the show off with our Marshall correspondent, Marshall Marsha. Marsha, what happened over the weekend? Go herd. Well, you know, this team is changing hearts and minds. Do you know how I know? Why? Uh, my my sophomore, who's a student there, said, well, guess I'll have to go to a game now. <laughs> there you go. Well, Marshall with the big upset victory over uh, the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. 26 uh, to 21. Crazy. Who'd have thought? Well, I'd have thought because I'm the one that said that it was going to happen. Uh, but, I mean, that was the most upsettable game, I think, of the weekend. It turned out being a few uh, upsets in college football. Uh, but it was a pretty big deal. Uh, okay, so this is how invested I am. We were kayaking, and I, I came home, and I was getting dinner ready, and I thought, I should check the game. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was great it, you know by the time I, I got around to checking the score it was wonderful so I started listening to the broadcast from the Notre Dame guys mm -hmm. and they were really gracious oh. you know so many compliments about this is a great move by Marshall and this and that and then when things really started to turn they were ready to take one of their last breaks they go Get your rosaries out. <laughs> oh, my god! Yeah, because you kind of, I feel like with those kind of games in the first half, yeah, you kind of, I guess, might expect the team that you're playing that, you know, you're paying them all this money. So you can afford to be gracious. to beat them. Yes, you're like, yeah, we'll give them this, you know, then we'll, that if we need to. a million and a half dollars they're giving them. Yeah. Talk about getting that much money uh, winning a game. But, uh, you know, you kind of let them like, yeah, you know, they're playing well right now, but our guys will figure it out in the second half. And then, yeah, after that second half, or after the first half, second half didn't quite go well. So does that put... Uh, now, his name is escaping the head coach for the Fighting oh, Irish. Marcus oh, Freeman. Mar uh -oh. So where's that put him? Because it's only his second game. It was the big deal when he got named He's the head lost coach. three. Or three, yeah. He lost so, the bowl game. Well, he lost the Ohio game. State. He lost Marshall. Seed is getting a little hot, but, I mean, it's... He's that's just, still a high-profile job. Yeah. The seat's a little hot. He, if he doesn't win this week, then, okay, you got questions that need to start being asked. But I, I think, yeah... I don't know. It's a little confusing of how he's lost against Marshall, I think, especially when they showed themselves out. But the quarterback play for Notre Dame is absolutely horrendous right now. They don't have a quarterback worth of anything, in my opinion. And Didn't they replace him like towards the very, very, very end? Uh, yeah, Drew Pine came in and threw a couple of balls. Uh, I knew Marshall, someone would know this. He, he was good on the ground. He was their leading rusher. But turning the attention back to Marshall, Marsha, what 
I, I guess is my question to you as our Marshall resident fan <laughs> is more impressive about this victory because you're two and zero. You beat a ranked team. Is it the fact that you hold the Fighting Irish to 21 points and it's the Marshall defense, or is it the fact that Rashid Ali doesn't even play their leading running back and Kalan Laybourne rushes for 163 yards? So what is it more impressive to you, the defense of Marshall holding them to 21 points or the fact that you rush for close to 200 yards, uh, over 200 yards, without your starting running back? I think what made the difference was there was a colossal Marshall crowd there. That's there were, true. The fan base showed up. You could hear it. You usually can't, I mean, across the radio. So I think that's kind of... What an answer. You're a pro. The herd <laughs> were thundering are, on Saturday. That's right. Yes, You're a pro at dodging a question. I'll be running for office next Look week. What, what an oh. up and down weekend for Matthew McConaughey, by the way. Oh, I know. Texas, oh, no. Texas to the wire, and the, but then Marshall turns around and gets a massive W. But very neat. Very cool. I'm sure oh, your family yeah. was excited as, as new excited. Marshall fans. But, but as my husband coached me to say, now we have to just hope that Notre Dame wins every other game That's that they true. play yeah. after this because that makes apparently Marshall's stock go up. Bonus points. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You run the table in conference play. There you go. I mean, they're going to be ranked. So does that mean Marshall... Might be the real deal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you just beat the yeah. number eight team. They're probably not the number eight team in the country. No, they're well, definitely not number eight anymore. But, but uh, you just beat a ranked team. You beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame. You beat Notre Dame. That's huge. so. I remember there was a Marshall beat reporter that tweeted when the team plane landed that touchdown in South Bend is probably the only touchdown we're oh. going to have this oh. week. Did not age well. No, that no, did not age well. Uh, Coach Charles Huff, by the way, will be on with uh, Hoppy on Talkline today at eleven twenty. Perfect. There you go. Well, there you go. Well, Marsha, I know you got a busy day, so we'll take a quick break and then we'll reset because we got uh, Shepard to talk about. We got Game of the Week to talk about, uh, Berkeley Springs to talk about. So uh, thank you for coming in, Marshall Marsha. Go and hard. Sh- and there you go. And chatting about the uh, Marshall win. We are Marshall. And you and I are Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be back on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com or on Facebook. You can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Shout out to Marshall Marsha there in our first segment, talking about the big-time Marshall upset. It was fun at the wedding I was at over the weekend. One of my buddies is a huge Notre Dame fan. So that was pretty fun to uh, get on him about that one, because who'd have thunk that the uh, thundering herd would have gone all the way up to South Bend to beat the Fighting Irish. But we had a lot of action here over the weekend. And on Friday, uh, Luke, we had a pretty exciting uh, panhandle game of the week between the Applemen and the Cougars that came literally down to the wire. Yeah, back-to-back game of the weeks that have been decided by a single possession. And you're right. It was the last snap of the ball for Quentin Goins. Had a deep in Appleman territory. Uh, I don't think he realized that the clock had restarted after a penalty. Killed some time. Unfortunately, the Cougars weren't able to pull off the comeback. But Musselman pitches a shutout in the second half of this game. They were trailing at halftime. Uh, Berea Damas gets a big interception in the fourth quarter to set up a prolonged, I believe it was a six-minute long Appleman drive. Baden Hartman took some shots in this game. Gets the go-ahead touchdown, uh, and then they hold strong going down the field. So it was a really exciting atmosphere. Ray Adamas had over 150 all-purpose yards, including a 76-yard touchdown run, a little speed option with the track speed on display, and uh, a really, really entertaining game for Musselman to win again 21-20. Yeah, that last 30 seconds of the game was uh, pretty intense, especially with the home team having the ball. You know, down by one, they were, you would have thought, it was like 30 seconds left. Like you said, they had the ball like the 15-yard line of Musselman. And you, and you thought with the way that they were moving the offense, especially how Quentin Goins was throwing the ball, that they would have uh, easily been able to get that in. But, yeah, 
Uh, that's game management 101. At least always know when the clock is running and be able to at least get a time. And they had timeouts, didn't they? Not at that point, they didn't. No? Oh, I thought they had time. Oh, yeah, because they went up and had to spike the ball there like two plays before that. But, yeah, that was uh, a pretty wild game of the week. And, well, all the games of the week so far this year have been uh, pretty wild ones. And uh, we'll play the uh, losing coach first. This is uh, Jefferson head coach right after the game. And some of the audio is a little distorted because the band decided to start warming up directly, literally five yards behind us. So uh, this is the uh, Jefferson head coach. Here with Jefferson head coach Hunter. So before we get to uh, the, the really the story of the game tonight, walk us through the last 30 seconds of this 21 to 20 loss here at uh, at home tonight. Uh, you know, um, first of all, you know, we had the opening kickoff. We drove down here and got down close. Uh, we had opportunities to try to get back and win this game. And, you know, some things just didn't go our way, whether we had whether we had um, a penalty or something um, just happened, didn't go our way. Um, you know, all you can ask for is an opportunity. We had an opportunity um, at the end of the game. And that's all you can ask for. Say 21 to 20 is the final score. Talk about the atmosphere around this game. I mean, this was the biggest game in the panhandle, really, maybe in the state tonight. Uh, and your fans showed up well, and your team showed up. Like you said, there were a couple mistakes, a couple turnovers here and there. But all in all, I think you uh, I would, I guess, kind of jump ahead again and say that it was still a pretty good performance all around. Yeah, I thought I thought we played well all the way around. Um, you know, still, once again, there's some, just some things we still got to clean up, uh, both sides of the football. Um, but I thought the kids showed up well. They played well. They played hard. They played their butts off all the way through to the last, to the triple zeros hit. Um, you know, you can't ask for nothing better than that from your kids. Now you're switching between quarterbacks, between, uh, you know, Goins and Harris throughout the game. What was the decision to go with Goins there down the stretch? Um, the OC decided, I guess, like the OC decided to go with Goins. Um, we decided to go with Goins based on, um, I guess, based on, I guess, his uh, better accuracy with the ball. I guess, I guess maybe a better deep ball. Um you know, throw field because we didn't know exactly where we were going to have the ball at that point in time. Um, Herrick is a dual threat guy who can also throw the ball, hit some passes on us. Um, I guess we felt that uh, we felt we felt that um, you know, Goins being the more pocket passer uh, would be maybe better in that situation right there. Again, shout out to the Muscleman Band. They're warming up uh, <laughs> right after every time I'd ask the question, right when Coach was going to respond, the uh, drum line would start up. But I really wanted to hear, you know, kind of the process of going with Goins. Of course, he is like the one, right, the number one quarterback. But throughout that game, Harich, I mean, he started. He played well. He looked, I mean, he looked a little wild in the backfield sometimes, but he converted on runs, on throws. So, I, I mean, I get why they used Goins down there, but uh, I don't know. I think it was just a kind of crazy end of the game that kind of got ahead of him a little bit. To me, I think Goins was the right decision there. Mm-hmm. I, I think you live and die by that guy because he had two of your three touchdowns and they were both bombs. And you have that ability to stretch the field and he was more mobile than I expected him to be at times. You know, it just comes down to not realizing that the clock restarted after that penalty. If they're snapped the ball at 18 seconds instead of, I don't know when it was, 12, mm-hmm. they get two plays instead of just the one. And that's a completely different game. And it's nobody's fault. Right. You know, that's honestly, I'm up there in the booth. Obviously, I'm not wearing a helmet, but I didn't know that the clock restarted after that penalty because that's why in college in the NFL, they have a mic that mm-hmm. will say the clock will start on my whistle or whatever. And they just didn't realize it. So that's what it came down to. I'll say, and not to cop out, because I think Musselman did establish themselves as the mm-hmm. second best team in the panhandle, but I don't really think that they really separated themselves from Jefferson in that game. I think that if you play that game 10 times, 
it's an even 5-5 split because that's how competitive they both were. Yeah, I agree. And you were able to catch up with most of my head coach, Brian Thomas, after the game. Well, Coach, what an exciting game that turned out to be. Yeah, huh? my goodness. You know, my gosh, yeah. Um, you knew it was going to be like that. You know, they're, they're, they're a good football team. We're a good football team. You, I mean, it, we, we talked all week about the fact that it was going to be a dogfight. It's just, you know, luckily we got one more point than them, so... Yeah. Well, talk about your defense. You pitch a you pitch a, a, a shutout there in the second half. Get some big stops. Your quarterback, Baden Hartman, with the big hit on fourth down, turning over on downs, and then Adamus, the interception in the end zone that sets up your game-winning drive. How about that defense? Yeah, just uh, well, you know we've repped a lot this week. We've worked a lot this week. Um, you know, talking about Baden and Ray, they just they just make plays for us, and they you know they both been three-year starter for us. So you know it's what you it's what you. That's what your seniors should do, but at the same time, just to watch them grow up, man. I've been, I've known them for four or five years now, and just you know the the, the people, the young man, the men that they're becoming. Just you know, that's why they're making plays, man. They're growing up. Well, coach, we've talked about how difficult your schedule is. How yeah. important is it yeah. for somebody that wants to get back into yeah. the postseason to get yeah. this win here in week one to get your second of the year? Yeah, you, you got to beat good teams, and we beat a good team tonight. So you know, we would have dropped that one. We would have been one and two. Um, you know, rolling into Sharando next week, and, and would have not been good. So this gives us a little bit of momentum. Um, you know, it, it, it's I don't know. You win an EPAC game in our conference, it, it's good. But especially against a team that went to the playoffs last year and won in the playoffs last year, that's a good football team. Well, that's the thing. Last question, Coach. An electrifying atmosphere here for Jefferson and a, a great team that you beat today. Some high-profile players on offense, some great receivers that you're able to corral. You just have to be proud that you get this win against such a talented conference opponent. Yeah, you know, we after you beat somebody, you turn into their biggest fan because they get you bonus points. So uh, let's go. Let's go. What, what are they? have lost two now. Let's Good Jefferson, eight and two, baby. So, um, but they, they're they're a good team. They're they're going to win games. Uh, coach Hunter's a good coach, and they're going to figure it out. And they're they'll they'll be back. They'll they'll do good stuff. And a lot of optimism, obviously, for Brian Thomas after that game. One and two, two and one. There's a big difference, especially with their schedule. Um, Sharando coming up this week is going to be a tough task. If you win that game, I think we can say that we're confident that Musselman will make the playoffs. But mm -hmm. as tough as their schedule is, you still have to play Bridgeport. You still have to play Morgantown. You still have to play Wheeling Park all of which we expect to be ranked in the Metro News Top 10, um, which hasn't officially been released yet, but we heard it on the morning news just a couple of minutes ago. Uh, so it's a very, very important pivot point for Musselman this week. If you go into the Sharando game one and two, and then you lose, then you're one and three, and as talented as this Appleman team is, then they probably won't make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So a really important game for them there, and uh, uh, an exciting one at that. Yeah, and what a big win going into you know cougar country if you will and it was packed oh, it parker was, i'm I telling you they were lined up all around the uh all around the fence line around the field i mean both uh, stands were filled up it was all green on the one side all maroon on the other the band both bands were great we were right next to the jefferson band they were fired me up all night long loved it that was better than a good and they were huge too yeah yeah it was, that's, was definitely like an, the biggest band like an 80 seen. 90 piece band unreal wow they were loud. That's insane. Well, I, I lived up to the billing as we talked about it up to this week. It was one of the most anticipated games I think of the season was between these two, and they delivered. And what what a game! And I think a lot next couple weeks we're going to figure out both these teams again. I guess Sharando is kind of the measuring stick right now for a lot of these teams. Martinsburg, of course, beat Sharando last week, fifty six to twenty. Now Musselman gets a shot at Sharando here. We'll see how they do handle things there. And like you said, Luke, I think if Musselman handles Sharando. They, I think they've stamped their case as the second-best team in the EPAC. And that's the thing really quickly, because I know we have so much to talk about today. Musselman undefeated, 
Spring Mills gets a big win against South Hagerstown. Now the Cardinals are legitimately playoff contenders still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tough loss for Washington. You know, maybe their playoff hopes are done. But they're still not a team that you want to play in Week Eight because no. they can spoil no, anybody's like season. Because they're they're perfect spoilers. Exactly. And uh, and Hedgesville's three and zero. You know, we need yeah. to start talking about the Eagles more because I understand East Fairmont's double A, but East Fairmont sh- uh, should be a double A playoff team. So Hedgesville's three and zero. Martinsburg's undefeated. Uh, and Spring Mills and Jefferson, or rather Spring Mills and Musselman, both two and one. And Jefferson, even though they're one and two, they're going to be very good this year as well. Zane, mm-hmm. you, uh, Parker, had a tight one on Saturday. Yeah, we did. We had an afternoon showing on 92.9 WXDC. Berkeley Springs and Braxton County High School had a tough one. It went between there, and the Indians started off the scoring quick. Duval had a 12-yard touchdown run to start the game. Then it was all Tyler Cox. He was the uh, – Coach Ray told me in pregame he was the uh, ARP player of the week for – the entire state of West Virginia, even double though even I've it, never heard somebody yeah, call AARP double AARP. That's what he, he called it double AARP, so I rolled like with double it. Double AARP. What is that? Oh, AARP. Okay. Yeah. So he he Tyler Cox is a fantastic athlete. Got to see him for the Braxton County Eagles. He's mm-hmm. he had two rushing touchdowns. He had a kickoff return for touchdowns. And if you guys remember uh, Charles Tillman, I, that's how I described it on the uh, broadcast. Charles Tillman with the uh, peanut punch, how yeah. he got the ball out. He Tyler Cox did that twice. He wow. poked the ball out and just in there violent. Just ripped it out and ran it back for a touchdown two times. Dude, dude's a fantastic athlete. Gavin Young had another fantastic game at receiver, over 200 yards receiving, two touchdowns for Gavin Young. Mm-hmm. Holden Gerson scores a touchdown today. Duvall threw for three touchdowns, rushed for two, and then Demario Cook registered his first sack of the season, and then Wilton Patton both had a half sack. And but the Indians fall just short. They were driving about at the Eagle 30 yard line. It was a fourth and one. It was drizzling all afternoon there in Braxton County. Duvall was looking to run a quarterback power, and it looks like the surface was a little slick. He tripped and fell, and that's what ended up doing it for Berkeley Springs. They were out of timeouts, and Braxton County ended up kneeling the ball out. So it was a tough loss there for Berkeley Springs, and they got a tough task coming this Friday as they go back home at Morgan Field, and they're going to take on Frankfurt. So what are the, what, what's missing? What's the missing piece for Berkeley Springs? You know, I I think right now it's a defensive problem. The way I described it on the broadcast was Berkeley Springs defense has very much struggled with electric running backs throughout the start of this season. It's been that way with Peyton Day for Petersburg, the wing T with Greencastle Antrim, and now Tyler Cox with Braxton County. And that's been the big thing right now, getting to the edges, stopping dynamic running backs from making plays, and just... I, I call them busted plays, just mm-hmm. just out of nowhere stuff just happening. Like the the two strips for touchdowns. If one of those doesn't happen, Berkeley Springs wins the game, and it's just little maybe little mistakes like that. Because you got to think here, Berkeley Springs is a young team. They, a lot of their skill position guys are not they're first year guys starting. Connor Duvall is a first year starting varsity quarterback. A lot of guys who are getting some of their first varsity action this year for Berkeley Springs. So they're fighting. They. They're learning a little bit, too, but there's a lot of promise right now from this team. Duvall's looked very good at the quarterback position. Granted, it was a little bit of a struggle for Berkeley Springs against Greencastle, but in the two games that he's shown a lot in, he's shown a good bit. He can do it on both ends. He likes to power run out of the quarterback spot, and there's some there's some promise from this Berkeley Springs team. Now, this year's probably not the year for them to get into a playoff, but if you look next year, I think things will be on the up. But again, any given Friday here in the panhandle, Frankfurt's a big test, and it's at Morgan Field, so... Anything is possible. Anything is possible. 
<laughs> Kevin Grant, we need that. Shout out Kevin We need a hockey for that. Anything is possible. Well, it was a big football weekend. Of course, we had Shepherd football yesterday. We had West Virginia football. Or, uh, I'm sorry, Saturday. We had West Virginia football Saturday. We had a bunch of NFL games yesterday because it was week one. So we'll uh, start to cover all that after this break. Now you're on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Join the conversation on Twitter at EP News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Panhandle Sports Live brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com or on Facebook. And you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. But we had some Shepherd football on over the weekend over on 95.9 The Big Dog. It was uh, yet another blowout for the Rams, which is what I think everybody expected. 41-7 over Edinburgh. Back-to-back 40-plus point games. Ronnie Brown uh, was out there just running up and down the field like he was alone. 15 touches, almost 300 yards, 279 Three touchdowns, 79 yards was his longest. Joey Fisher was credited with four-yard carry as him being an offensive lineman. It's like 300-plus pounds. He's massive, and I love that he got some carries there. Uh, Bajent, if you look at the stat line, um, won't jump out at you. But that's because Ronnie Brown uh, really had all of the offense. So before we get talking about it, here is one of Ronnie Brown's touchdown runs. Bajan will hand it off to Brown. He's got the first down and more. He's got a hole across the 40. The 45-50 across midfield. He's gone, folks. 25, 20, 15, 10. Will dance his way into the end zone for the touchdown. Ronnie Brown, the baddest man in Shepherdstown. And a 70-yard touchdown carry, his second of the game, and the third touchdown of the quarter for the Rams. Man, what a game he had, Luke. Yeah, it was really exciting to watch, and it got to 200 yards with 10 minutes to go in the second quarter, and that record of 311 yards really looked breakable. But, you know, game script, Edinburgh started to put together some better possessions. He wasn't able to come out and break the record, but still an incredible performance from him. Every time he touched the ball, running inside the tackles, outside as well, caught a couple of really important passes as well. Uh, Obviously, the player of the game. You hate that for Tyson Bajan trying to accumulate some great stats because... Excuse me, because of game script, uh, Bajan wasn't able to throw the ball as much as he wanted to. Um, but that was one of the best performances I've seen live on a football field. I mean, you know, it's just Division II football. I say just, but there are shades of Tavon Austin against Texas and what he just did. And it was uh, really, really exciting to watch and well-deserved for Ronnie Brown, who we had questions about Shepard's running attack, and they rushed for nearly 400 <laughs> yards in this game. I know. Ronnie Brown, he's the most dynamic athlete on the field every time he steps out there because he can catch a ball and he can run for 100 yards. He can run out of the backfield and run for 100 yards. Like I said, he was running up the middle and running for 300 yards. He was, I mean, he does it all out on the field, and that's great for great news for Bajan because that takes a lot of pressure off him. This now evens the spotlight out on this Shepard offense a little bit. It's not solely on you know Tyson Bajan's back or on his right arm, I guess you can say. Now they're like, yeah, we do have to respect the running game with Shepard. We do have to respect Ronnie Brown. And uh, you know, after Ronnie getting all those touches, and of course he got taken out there towards the end of the game, that opens up some lanes for the younger guys to come up. And a local uh, Panhandle guy, Luke, well, he had a couple pretty good uh, runs there towards the end. Yeah, Blake Hartman comes in for the last couple of minutes of this game, and you think get a couple of first downs, kill clock, whatever. Then it has an eighty-yard carry on his first carry. <laughs> uh, they didn't let him get the touchdown. They got down inside the ten, and they took a couple of knees, which I think was a good sign of sportsmanship. Uh, But, you know, we talked about, while I just said that we had concerns about the Shepard rushing attack and maybe we shouldn't have concerns about Mm -hmm. the rushing attack, if we do, if they need that bruising between the tackles physical runner, 
two times now, back-to-back weeks. I get it against second stringers. I get it in garbage time. But Hartman looks incredible. Yeah, He hits the hole. He reminds me. He runs the same way C.J. Donaldson does for the Mountaineers. He's physical. He does not shy away from contact. And he's got that breakaway speed. Not enough speed to get the touchdown. Uh, he ran out of gas as he got to about the 20. But, you know, if Shepard... He's legitimately the third string running back, and it comes down to him and Holly for that number two. If you want a bruising back, it would not shock me if Hartman gets legitimate carries through the end of the year. Well, Shepard moves to 2-0 and after a 48-7 win up in Southern Connecticut and a 41-7 win at home against Edinburgh, and they really get into PSAC, well, into Pennsylvania, I guess, not necessarily PSAC East football, but PSAC football with uh, the Cal Vulcans coming to town at this coming Saturday. Now, they are 1-1 one one on the year. They beat Fairmont State to get things started 35-15, then they got beat by Kutztown in Kutztown 19-24 this past week. So, uh, I mean, Cal's always a tough matchup when it comes to football. They're always big. They're always fast. They're coming in one and one so a little a little bit wounded uh, coming down to Shepherdstown. It's a sneaky long travel uh, day for you know the guys coming from especially Western uh, PA, but it should shape up to be a pretty good one. And, well, I would have to say Shepherd's got to be favored with the way that they're just rolling right now on both sides of the box. They had a great defensive game again uh, yesterday, too, and Dwayne Grantham while doing it. Yeah, Dwayne Grantham with another interception. Kyle Smith had a pick six. They just put the ball right into his lap. They were able to get after the quarterback at times. Um, why can I not think of the name of the other edge rusher? Had a strip sack. Uh, it was really exciting to see the defense dominate again. Edinburgh were, with all due respect to Southern Connecticut, significantly better than Southern Connecticut. Their ability to make plays, um, the receivers that they had downfield, and mm-hmm. Shepard's defense still dominated. It was a better test, and the defense still looked great. And you had multiple teams lose above them in the NCAA Division II Top 25. Um, so they're certainly going to move up at least into the top four, if not to the top three after this game. But the pieces they have on offense now, coaches now have to spy Ronnie Brown out of the backfield. Yeah. And the defense gets stops and gets turnovers. I don't know how you compete against this team. Yeah, you can't yeah. You can't game plan that offense now. Honestly, looking at it right now, it wouldn't really shock me if Shepard didn't run the table here with their schedule, just from how things are, especially with the Cal loss to Kutztown. Of course, Kutztown had that very embarrassing loss week one to Assumption. So as long as the Rams come in and execute their game plan to perfection, I I don't see a team being able to beat them, if I'm going to be completely honest here. I think Cal is going to be a competitive game, of course. They just beat Kutztown, which, of course, the Rams lost to Kutztown last year. That was their only regular season loss. And then you got a slate here. This three-game slate starting this weekend is going to be humongous. Cal at home, at Kutztown, at Shippensburg. I think if they can get through that three-game slate and come out of that game 3-0, and I think they run the table. Mm-hmm. I really do. That's I think those are the three hardest games the entire season. And you getting Cal at home is big. Going at Kutztown will be tough, but I think they can pull that one out if they get the Kutztown that played against Assumption and not the Kutztown that played against Cal. And if you look at Shippensburg, yeah, Shippensburg's going to be a tough game. It's a rivalry game. It's right up the road. But again, I think the Rams have the more talented roster, and it's and it's long about putting it together and keeping things in check. I, I really do think they can run the table here and make a noise and get deep into NCAA play here in the Division II level. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. It should be a fun one. So make sure you come out uh, to Rams Stadium on Saturday. And if you can, of course, you can listen uh, to myself and Luke Wiggs over on 95.9 The Big Dog. Um, Luke, what would you think your first home Shepherd game? Atmosphere was great. Great crowd. Um, I didn't get the sample of the 
Press Box Pizza, by the way, came oh, as advertised. It's unreal. I did not it's get to unreal. sample the food. Was there food trucks behind the yeah. press box? Yep. Uh, unreal. I, I, I was walking in, just hit with the aroma, had to finish some notes, and I wasn't carrying any cash, so I didn't want to, <sighs> you know. But uh, crowd was great. Music was great. Atmosphere was fantastic. Uh, credit, uh, Edinburgh brought a couple hundred fans, and yeah. they, they made some noise over there on the far sideline at the beginning when they had some chances to cheer, uh, <laughs> and then they didn't. They came uh, out of the tunnel. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, but I, I was really, really... Uh, a modest, probably four thousand people there. Does that sound about right? Yeah, maybe more. Right. Maybe more. And I'm I'm excited as the year goes on to experience it again. Absolutely. And don't forget to. Uh, you can also tune in over on 95.9 Big Dog on Thursday for the Ernie McCook Show. Of course, we'll be talking about this huge 41 to seven win. I'm trying to see what the there should be somewhere in here. Attendance 4,452. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh, it was a big crowds packed for uh, a home game. But it's a, it's a special time. But Saturdays in Shepherdstown are a special time. And I'll tell you what people thought was going to be a special time was the Neil Brown era this time around. And, well, Luke, I'll just let you uh, kick things off with this. Lost to Kansas. Ah, that's a tough look. You know, the Pirates have won a World Series since the last time the Cardinals – or the Cardinals, what? The Mountaineers have started 0-2. Um, You're all right. Dude, it's, it's got your brain jumping. What, what happened against Kansas, unfortunately, was shameful. And I've been a big supporter of Neil Brown uh, – but there's really no excuses from that one. You know, as somebody that's run such a clean program off the field, it's shocking to me how many bad penalties this team takes, how they continue to mismanage the clock, how this defense goes from, it's not talent, because you just went from negating Pat Narduzzi and Pitt, who's one of the best rushing teams in all of college football, to under 100 yards, and then get ripped apart by Kansas in the next week. And you talk about the weather. Well, the weather's the same for both teams. It's a shame. JT Daniels, we're two games into the season, don't want to overreact, but he looks just as good as Will Greer did. You know, Bryce Ford Wheaton is two or three more great performances like that from being a Bolitnikoff finalist. And C.J. Donaldson is one of the most exciting freshman playmakers that WVU's had in a while. And all of that does not matter because you could not tackle the worst team in the conference. Well, no longer the worst team in the conference because you're now the worst team in the conference. Um, you know, Neil Brown's been given a lot of chances and he's been given a big extension that he needs to answer for, that Shane Lyons needs to answer for. You know, I don't see him getting fired in the next couple of weeks. His buyout's $20 million right now, and it's another $10 million for his assistance. At the end of the year, it goes down to 16. Maybe we can have that conversation. It doesn't help, by the way, that Charles Huff, in less time, just beat Notre Dame at Marshall. And Appalachian State's head coach, whose name escapes me, Sean something, was born in Charleston, West Virginia, just picked up a massive win against a, a ranked opponent as well at Appalachian State. And Neil Brown continues to flounder. I want to say one more thing. Um, the offensive line that the Mountaineers have had, you look at the talent. You know, Zach Frazier is one of the most talented offensive linemen to ever come out of the state of West Virginia. Uh, the same can be said for Wyatt Milam, Gamitter, whatever, whatever. The talent that we know that they have, and yet the offensive line has not gotten any better. The defense has gotten worse every single year since Neil Brown has taken over, and Neil Brown has begged to get a tight end that can facilitate and make plays. He's recruited that position so heavily, recruited so many tight ends, and it hasn't worked out. Those three position groups... Offensive line, tight end, and the defensive side of the ball all have the same thing in common. Those are the three assistant coaches, the only three assistant coaches that are still left that Neil Brown brought here from Troy. Mm -hmm. Matt Moore is your assistant head coach and your offensive line coach. Jordan Leslie on the defensive side of the ball and the tight ends coach, Sean Reagan. At some point, you know, Graham Harrell, this Neil Brown has been a terrible play caller, brings in Graham Harrell, the offense looks great. At some point, you can't string along your buddies 
you need to get in coaches in here that can coach. The defense looks horrendous under Jordan Leslie, and he's Neil Brown's buddy. He's got to go. Mm-hmm. Matt Moore's offensive line has not gotten better. As talented, as young, as promising as it is, has not gotten any better. Matt Moore's got to go. The Mountaineers don't have a, I like Michael Laughlin, but they don't have a legitimate tight end in an offense that they want to have a great tight end, and Sean Reagan's got to go. Um, Neil Brown is probably going to get the rest of the season. If he drops a game against Virginia Tech and he gets fired, my advice would be make Graham Harrell the head coach in an attempt to beg JT Daniels to stay next year. Um, but, you know, if Neil Brown gets back to 6-6, six and six, you have to pay him so much money that it would almost be worth it just to let him come back for another year. But I don't see that happening, and I don't see him being the head coach next year. No, no Man. chance. We gotta no. get you on a podcast. <laughs> we gotta get you on WU podcast. But you no, know, I think we would all we were all fairly comfortable. At least I was fairly comfortable at, at, before the season started with saying that West Virginia was at least a middle of the Big Twelve team, if not maybe sneaky top five or top four, maybe getting into the top of regions of the Big Twelve. And then of course they come out. They, I mean, lose a heartbreaker to Pitt. I, I think coming out of the week the, the Pitt game, uh, of course. Tensions were high, but I don't think anybody was nervous about anything. It was just a big game, big environment. Could have gone either way, right? Especially yeah. there at the end. It definitely could have gone either way. But now, this definitely, the. I mean, I don't know. It's just, I, I don't know what to say about it. I'll keep it blunt. Neil Brown cannot coach at the Power 5 level. I will, I will say it. I just don't think he can coach at the Power 5 level. He's a great guy. Great guy. I'd, I'd love to have him at a cookout. Yeah, but, he seems but, like a nice dude. But Neil Brown cannot coach at the Power 5 level, and I think he's made that obvious with this past couple weeks. It's just I, the time is up, and I think and all of West Virginia faithful are seeing it as well. And now I talked with a buddy of mine, and I said, I don't think WVU is the type of team that would fire a coach midseason. I, I just cannot see it. I think, if anything, it's going to be after the season. But, again, I just – I, and I was talking to you guys, and I think this is the best way to describe this. Kansas, who they just lost to, brought in a head coach, and he seems like he's making really good progress at Kansas. It seems like every other team in the Big 12 is taking steps forward while WVU is shuffling their feet in the same place. Uh, and lastly, really quickly, you know, I'm not one of those irrational Mountaineer fans as a Mountaineer fan that thinks that we should be competing for national champions, mm-hmm. chips, whatever. But, you know, the the tie that West Virginians have myself as somebody from Morgantown you know, you love these pro sports teams or whatever, but I don't get to spend time in St. Louis or Las mm-hmm. Vegas or whatever. So the, the, the attraction that you have to WVU um, is greater than any pro sports team. You've heard mm-hmm. that in WVU promos all the time. There's yeah. no pro states or pro teams in the state of West Virginia. They love Mountaineer sports. You know, we demand not national championships, frankly, at this point. It's good football. We demand something to be proud of, mm-hmm. you know, that I was... I was proud of the pit game, to be honest with you. I, and we can talk about Neil Brown doesn't mm-hmm. want to punt. Whatever yeah. came down to yeah. the wire, a great game, ranked team, good game. JT Daniels looks like an NFL player. You know what? Cool, yeah. I'm ready to go. And then you drop the game to the worst team in the conference. I mean, that's shameful, and somebody needs to answer for it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Man, rocky roads in uh, Morgantown <laughs> right now. Rocky roads. Hey, Jimbo lost over the weekend too. Maybe his job's well, on the hot seat. Maybe yeah, you get well, Jimbo in. That change, I bet you everybody changes. <laughs> Why do we want to bring Jimbo in after he just lost to Appalachia? Why not? Oh, why not? I I want to. Can I just say one more thing? I apologize. Yeah, go for it. I haven't said it out here since I've come out to the Panhandle. One of the misconceptions from West Virginia fans, I heard several tweets talking about this on statewide sports line last night that I want to address to the Panhandle people that I'm talking to for the first time. Luke Fickle was never going to come to WVU. (laughs) I am sick and tired of people saying, "Oh, we could have had Cincinnati's coach." No, No. we could not. (laughs) Luke Fickle was never going to come here. 
I just wanted to get that out of the way. Mm-mm-mm. Well, <laughs> wish we could talk about it more, but we do got to get to a little NFL talk before we get uh, to our last break of the hour because there was a lot of it. Uh, well, we had the Ravens going out 24-9 over the Jets. They were supposed to win that game, but I don't think people expected them to win the way they did with Lamar Jackson out here doing his best Tom Brady impression, just chucking dimes in the rain. Two and uh, here is one of those touchdowns. Uh, the deep one. I think this is the 53 yarder debatement. Jackson off the play fake drifts to the right, steps up, throwing oh, deep. He's looking for Bateman at the 10. Bateman has it. Touchdown Ravens. Rashad Bateman, 55 yards, and the Ravens are pulling away. Yeah, I'm biased. The Ravens are my favorite team, but man, Jerry Sandusky does a great job. And yes, tough name. I know. But, uh, <laughs> I had forgotten up until this yeah, point that, tough that was name, his name. Tough name, I get it. But he is the man when he's calling a touchdown, especially when he gives a big, uh, the hay is in the barn at the end of the game. Uh, I want to get through a couple of these, and we'll go back and talk through them. The Commanders also, uh, they win their week one game. It came down to the wire, 28-22. to 22. Uh, and here is one of the deep touchdown uh, receptions. Jags break four. Wentz steps up, taking a shot down the field. Has McLaurin caught it again. I can't remember what that guy's name is, but I think he does hockey, too, because that definitely sounded like a hockey uh, goal as he called that one. But uh, lastly, uh, I guess regional sports-wise, the Steelers, they also won uh, in a an overtime, 23-20, to 20, uh, whatever. Uh, Steelers are winning big games yet again. Uh, but here is, <laughs> that's mean, it was a good game. And here's the kick to win it. Straight away kick. Good snap, down, kick is on its way. That kick is long enough, high enough, and it is it's good! Gone. The kick is good! The Steelers survive in Cincinnati! The Steelers? Man, you think they won the Super Bowl. That's uh, Bill Hillgrove, by the way, represent. Yeah, that was legendary. A, that was a good game. But briefly, and we can talk about this too once we come back from the break, but briefly, week one thoughts. Uh, I'll, I'll say this about the three games that we just touched on really quickly. Lamar Jackson threw some really good balls. Oh, Devin really DuVernay ball. looks good. Bateman mm-hmm. looks good. He did all that without Mark Andrews. Uh, really doing much in that game. The Ravens look great, uh, and they were my pick to win that division, and that's not going to change after that week. The Commanders went through a couple of good balls. Antonio Gibson, you know, the much maligned, played really well in that game. Good relationship with McLaurin as well. And Dotson looked, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. unbelievable. They got some yeah. weapons. I mean, yep. Maybe not this year, but long term. Yep. The Steelers, I, I would say that I thought they were the second best team in the division. We'll have to wait and see. T.J. Watt might be out for the year. He that's big. Yeah. He that's big. I don't think Trubisky played well enough to say that he's definitely going to be the guy the rest of the year. I wouldn't shock me if Kenny Pickett came out. I was really disappointed with George Pickens' debut, but Johnson's still making plays. The defense as a whole, Mika Fitzpatrick's the best safety in the NFL mm-hmm. right now. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. um, but for those three games, it was exciting to see the local teams win in dramatic fashion. It was exciting to see the Colts not lose week one for the first time since 2013. The tie, and now they're tied for the top of the table. The Packers suck. That's that's a thing. Um, yeah. And uh, for those of you wondering about my Raiders, one of the teams that did lose, uh, while I'm not happy with Derek Carr playing the worst game I've seen him play in the last five or six years, I'm not that worried about the Raiders long term. I still think they can compete for a playoff spot. Yeah, I think on my end as well, The uh, Marcus Williams was a great ad for Baltimore, got an interception in that game. He's a great addition as a safety. He's one of the most underrated players in the league. Carson Wentz looked pretty good for Washington, and like you alluded to before, Jahan Dotson's going to be a great player. He reminded me a lot of Terry McLaurin coming out. So it, for the future, those two are going to be a great combo together. As well for Pittsburgh, yeah, impressive showing from the defense. Losing T.J. Watt till at least November is going to be 
super hurting the defense. But again, Steelers defense shows why they're always one of the best. And Mike Tomlin, we need to give Mike Tomlin his flowers. He's one of the best coaches in the NFL, and he doesn't get that respect enough. Yeah, he's the best coach in the league right now, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree, unfortunately. And I agree. Absolutely. And stick around after the break. We'll come back. We'll uh, tie Bo on this Panhandle Sports Live. And, uh, well, we'll see. Well, we'll see what happens here at the end uh, of the show. So stick around on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bats. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbats.com on Facebook, and you can also visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. Parker, it was a big weekend for you betting-wise, because you had NFL, you had college, so how'd you do? Well, overall, our locks of the day, all locks from the day from last week, all hit. It was a flawless lock of the day week. If you use the locks, they were perfect throughout the week, so that was great. The bonuses, we split about 500 throughout the week. The weekend was a little shocking, of course. My apologies to Marshall Marsha for ragging on Marshall last Friday's show, saying that Notre Dame was going to handedly beat Marshall. So I was a little shocked on that one. Kansas State ended up winning. WVU broke her hearts, obviously. The Bengals lost, of course, which was a little shocking to me. And what in the world happened to Joe Burrow? I, I, I'm a little concerned there, but... We'll see how he moves. And then as well, looking at it, Jags on the money line. I thought there was going to be an upset there, but Commanders ended up pulling it out. Good for them. And the Bucks did cover the two and a half from yes last night's game. Now moving into today, looking at things, you got Monday Night Football tonight. It'll be the Seahawks and the Broncos. My lock of the day is going to be Russell Wilson throwing over one and a half touchdown passes today. I think that's a gimme. Seattle is being pegged as one of the worst teams in the league. And I think Russell Wilson's going to have his way against that defense. You got Cortland Sutton as well, as I have as an anytime touchdown scorer. I think Sutton and Wilson are going to have a fantastic connection together. So I have Sutton scoring a touchdown during this game as today. And throwing a little bit of baseball in there as well, as we still got baseball going on. I'm going the Astros over the Tigers today. So those are my three lock of the day. Once again, if you missed it, Russell Wilson over one and a half touchdown passes today against the Seattle Seahawks. Man, Luke, an insult to injury here. Big game boomer, historic Twitter uh, <laughs> troll page, if you will. Uh, they just be put out best college football teams in every state so far. Of course, Ohio, Ohio State, Tennessee, Tennessee, uh, Maryland, Maryland, West Virginia, Marshall. It has to be. Has yeah. to be. Well, I, I take it back. The best team in the West it should Virginia. be Shepard. Yeah, it should be Shepard. Yeah, but yeah. it has to be, unfortunately. Do you think Marshall beats West Virginia right now? Yes. Yeah, well, 100%. Yeah, right Easily. Now. Man, that was that maybe was by the cool. end of the season, the Mountaineers might have turned things. But I wouldn't want to face Henry Columbia right now. And no, 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 they're invincible. Man, but what else you guys take from Week One uh, NFL football wise? Any? I mean, the Raiders. What happened? Uh, Carr didn't play well. He said he was too aggressive. I'm not a huge fan of the running back by committee. Like, if you want to go running back by committee, have a good committee. Because yeah. yeah. Bolden <laughs> and Amir Abdullah are terrible. Man, Amir Abdullah, the quintessential fantasy bust pick every single year. He oh, looks yeah. like he's going to be great. And they, oh, well, I don't want to ask you guys, too. How'd your fantasy football teams do week Two on? and two. Nice. Well, I have I have to have some things happen tonight on Monday Night Football to what go two and two. I need Alberto to not be terrible, uh, <laughs> and I need Jerry Judy to have like ten points. I, I think I think I'll be okay. Man, it was so nice, Parker, to be able to watch football all day yesterday and not have to be looking at my phone all the time. And 
it's oh. it's uh, it's unreal. It's an addiction. You it know, really like is. when, when is. you're riding high, your team's winning, your fantasy team's winning, and you feel like oh, you can it float. Is. But <laughs> I was I was oh. out here in the lobby yesterday watching the Raiders lose. Derek Carr threw a, just a terrible interception for his third, and fantasy team was just in the dumps in the main league, obviously because that's one everybody cares about. Oh, and it was just like, man, what am I doing with my life? You know. So we'll bounce back. <laughs> We'll, well bounce back. Well, on my end, sadly, uh, my starting quarterback's out for about two months. I have Dak Prescott, so that was some fun news waking up Man, to this morning. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's 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 sad. It's sad, and I was worried about taking Dak as well. But, but I will say it aligns things up to get like deep football conspiracy theorists. Um, it's not Mike McCarthy. Who coaches the Cowboys? Yeah, it's Mike McCarthy. It's Mike McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Payton will be the coach of the Dallas Cowboys next year. I think, and yeah. the fact that Dak Prescott's going to get hurt and they're going to lose more games means that it's almost a guarantee so there you go the stars are aligning for sean payton to go back to the cowboys keenan allen as well he's on my fantasy team he went out in the first half with a hamstring injury he played well yeah he, he did good. he might not come back for this thursday game but he he, he played i mean yeah. just justin herbert that's the thing about watching the, the raiders play and it's the same way with the division with mahomes and whatever because i really like Derek carr but you're going up against three other quarterbacks in that division that can just make throws that don't make sense mm-hmm. you know herbert made some throws yesterday wilson's still at the end of his career with mahomes as well you know, you have to play just these near perfect games to win, which they can because they've got a good roster. But then, you know, Herbert will just pull something out of his rear end, roll out, throw on the run, 80 yards downfield, whatever. Uh, so that's a little bit frustrating. But, you know. Who's got Jameis in your league? That's Jameis a good question. yesterday, 16 for 19, yeah, Brian, 213, two tutters. Brian Thomas coaches Musselman. Michael Thomas <laughs> uh, played really well, had a couple of touchdowns, looked healthy uh, for Slant Boy. Um, and obviously, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see that quarterback. Uh, competition in Pittsburgh, uh, the world's greatest kisser, Mitch Trubisky. He just he did not. He just didn't have the sauce. I, I don't think for much of that game, but he got the win. Uh, and we'll have to wait and see Kenny Pickett long term for Steeler fans that were clamoring for him because he got off to a good start. Trubisky fell apart late. Um, but it's going to be a fun NFL season. It's going to be a fun college football season. Not for Mountaineer fans, but for everybody else. But hey, are the Giants back? No, the Giants back. Giants might be back, dude. Giants, hey, Giants say, might say, be back. Hey, you know, we if were the Giants about, are back, Saquon Barkley's back. You know, Saquon's always we were been talking back. about the peanut punch. Bud Dupree just threw two absolute haymakers into Saquon Barkley's chest, trying to punch <sighs> the football out. I don't know if you saw that. He just had him on the shoulder and just went bang, bang, He's right, to, right to the gut. Crazy. My goodness. Well, what a uh, what a weekend. What a crazy weekend. We don't, we all need to calm down on this Monday. The nice soothing music to take us out here on a Monday. But if you missed any of this Panhandle Sports Live, you can listen back to it a little bit later on over on our Panhandle News Network Facebook page for Parker and Luke. I'm Jordan. It's been Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Have a good one. Everybody relax. All right. Everybody calm down. If you're a West Virginia fan, I got some take... sparse pizza rolls. Oh! oh! <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> but hang on. We can't do that. <laughs> we can't do that now. We can't do that now. Here, hang on. <laughs> Pepperoni rolls. I brought brought, brought, brought the pepperoni rolls. From Clarksburg. Yes, sir. (laughs) Now we got the pepperoni rolls. They're fired up. All right, we'll talk to y'all tomorrow. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.